Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome back to Mum's The Word, the parenting podcast. I'm Grace Victory and I'm your host for this week. So this week for me... I'm during my period, so I have less patience. I'm just feeling a bit more chaotic and my brain just doesn't seem to work at like optimal level. Um, And this week, I just feel like I've been tested parenting wise. Lack of sleep, we've had food refusal, food over the floor, um, and just there's been a constant mummy and toddler battle um and i'm finding that quite difficult um but i know that you know parenting you ebb and you flow and i'm hoping for a better week next week this episode is focusing on the importance of our pelvic floor which i'm very excited about because i definitely have some pelvic floor issues my lower back is a bit painful I can't hold my urine um, for as long as I used to and generally I just feel like I need to see someone about my pelvic area um, since having two under two which is crazy this week we have producer author and founder of why mums don't jump Helen Ledwick joining us She founded Why Mums Don't Jump after having a pelvic organ prolapse after her first birth. This is where organs within the pelvis slip down from their normal position and into the vagina, causing a heavy, bulging or dragging sensation. Although not life-threatening, prolapse can cause pain, sexual dysfunction and incontinence. It's particularly common in mothers because pregnancy and birth weaken the pelvic floor muscles and so many people go through this but it is rarely spoken about. In fact, new figures suggest that 6 out of 10 women are living with at least one symptom of poor pelvic floor health. But 69% of these have never mentioned this to a healthcare professional. Helen has created an incredible community with the aim of ending the taboo around pelvic floor problems, especially after childbirth. Welcome to the show, Helen. Thank you very much. Lovely to be here. So why don't mums jump? (laughs) Um, Wow, that's a big question. Um, So I guess, yeah, so why mums don't jump is the name that I chose when I started talking on Instagram five years ago today, in fact, 
anonymously about this thing that had happened to me that I was really, really embarrassed about, which was my prolapse. Yeah. And uh, it was a name that just seemed to tap in to this thing that I was aware of, but I didn't really understand, which was why mums were, you know, didn't want to go on the trampolines, didn't really want to go crazy in the park, you know, and just kind of um, there was discussions around little bits of leaking when you laugh um, or things are not quite the same down there. But I just honestly, like I had no idea. Um, so yeah, the why mums don't jump just seemed to kind of tap into that. Let's let's tap, let's like drill into this a little bit more and find out what is going on. And why did you start your page anonymously? <laughs> so like my whole thing with this is um it's such a taboo subject, right? Yeah. So I um I, if I wind it back a little bit, so I have this thing called pelvic organ prolapse, which I, I mean, I don't know how much you know about that, but I certainly oh. had, right. <laughs> I had never heard of it until it happened to me two weeks after my second child was born. Right. So by the way, I'm a mom. I think I've kind of got the hang of this and no idea what this is. And, um, so to explain, like your pelvic floor is like this, um, and by the way, I'm not a doctor or a medic of any sort. I'm a, I'm a mum and I'm a journalist. So just put that little disclaimer in there. But yeah, um, your pelvic floor is like this collection of mus muscles and tissues that form a sort of hammock across the base of your pelvis. Yeah. Um, and they do loads of really amazing and important jobs like keeping you continent and supporting your spine. And they also help to support your internal organs, your pelvic organs. So your bladder, your bowel, your uterus and... Um, if the pelvic floor muscles uh, go wrong or get damaged, often during child, um, during pregnancy when there's a lot of extra weight on there or during childbirth when there's a lot of pressure and often damage. So I, I had a, a third degree tear when my son was born. Um, they can weaken and your pelvic organs can sort of shift out of place. So that is, I mean, it sounds kind of horrific and terrifying and that that is what happened to me. Yeah. And in fact, it's what happens to loads and loads of women, but we never talk about it. So often you find that people with prolapse think they're the only person in the world. Right. That has it, and I certainly did. And I guess like just anything that, I mean, so I don't know about you, but like I, I'm not someone who was like comfortable talking about my vagina or my intimate parts like it's just not something I was ever comfortable doing because you went to a catholic school yeah I don't know I went to school in the 90s like I'm just turned 45 I don't know if it's women of my generation or just yeah. me as an individual or yeah partly being brought up in this catholic community in, in Lancashire in the 90s like it just was not something you ever discussed I mean I, I literally didn't even know the difference between a vagina and a vulva mm. until I started talking about all of this a few years ago. Um, yeah. So like, yeah, it was, I, and even, even when I started the Instagram page and then when that developed into a podcast, even when I recorded that first episode, I couldn't even say these words without going red in the face. Like, so yeah, so that's why I started it anonymously. And um, I just, I didn't, I found it really shameful and embarrassing and I didn't want people who knew me to know about that and I didn't want to kind of become the face of prolapse or just be reduced to that you know what were your symptoms because I definitely I mm -hmm. since having my second I had two under two I um 
definitely can't hold my wee in for as long as I used to. Mm-hmm. I get up in the night and I need to go. I need to go then and I have to mm-hmm. run to the toilet. And I'm definitely having lower back pain. I'm seeing an osteopath actually and she recommended like pelvic floor exercises. But what were your symptoms if you don't mind me asking yeah no not at all I, like these days I am an open book so okay. go right ahead um and yeah and I'm gonna come back because because I would say you need to see a pelvic health physiotherapist they are angels they are all about this stuff I had never heard of them we'll come back to that yeah. um but so yeah symptoms for me um it was really obvious in my case in many ways because literally two weeks after my son was born and I'd had as I said like a third degree tear so I was in pretty bad shape. I couldn't sit down without a cushion anyway. But on this particular day, I literally stood up from the sofa um, and I suddenly felt like a bulge in my vagina. Like I was losing a tampon, you know, like like something was there that shouldn't be, yeah. Um, And then then obviously like had this kind of what is that moment. Ran upstairs, didn't run obviously, did not run. Hobbled upstairs, um, got a mirror out, to have a look and and this is part of the issue right because honestly I think that's the first time I've ever actually looked at myself like that um and just and started google imaging because I, because I was like what what is this thing that I can see this is not right I just had a massive panic and um almost called an ambulance because I kind of hit on this idea that it was it was this thing called this prolapse um and then you start reading that kind of Ooh, your insides are falling out. Then I'm like, this is a medical emergency. Um, but I didn't, and it wasn't. The feeling of that bulge for me has been my main symptom throughout. Um, so it's just like a it's a discomfort. But for, for many women, it does come alongside um sometimes some pain, but often incontinence. Um, so leaks, um, stress incontinence sometimes when you laugh or sneeze or run or jump or other kinds of incontinence like when you can't um make it to the bathroom in time or yeah key in the lot it's it's, a lot of these things are associated with each other how long did it take to kind of gather a community because obviously you're not alone in this yeah um when did this kind of when did you first realize that oh okay there's a lot of people going through what I'm going through I mean just immediately the kinds of messages that were coming through um and so my background is um, I used to be a BBC radio producer. So um, you sort of know when you when you really hit on something because the the messages that come through are so um, heartfelt and, you know, you know that you've really resonated because people start sharing their own stories. So basically, as soon as people started sharing their own stories and just like saying, oh, thank you for talking about this because I've never heard anyone talk about it. And I thought I was the only one in the world and it's really reassuring to know that I'm not. And I'm actually so embarrassed about it. I don't even want to talk to my friends or even my partner about it, but thank you for saying it. And I guess the more and more this happened, the more you realize that, you know, we're all sort of there online hiding away because we're so embarrassed by this thing that has happened because of nothing that we've you know not nothing like not our fault at all yeah um and then I just felt like this was a community that needed to come together and have more of a voice and yeah we could say these things out loud and the sky is not going to fall down and it doesn't make us a bad person um so it just kind of went from there yeah I've been thinking for a while about how my body's changed since having children Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about it on social media because I think my vagina looks different like it's changed 
Like it just, my vulva has changed shape. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I haven't told anyone. Like none of my friends, I don't know why, like I don't feel embarrassed by it, but it's like, oh, maybe there is this like shame around like the less aesthetic parts of motherhood. Like, hey, yeah, you know, like the bleeding, the C-section scar, all of these things. But actually there's like a lot of like other things that happen, you know? Absolutely. I mean, you know, you sort of go into it thinking saggy boobs, stretch marks. Yeah. Probably going to happen. And, you know, that's just your sort of mark of being a mom and that's all right. But like some of this, some of these other things, they are, they are life changing. So like, and, and that is, that is huge, you know, and that can really affect your sense of who you are. And it's hard enough becoming a mom anyway. And you're already grieving for this person that once was, but you, you're hoping that you'll get back to it. But sometimes it can feel like your body has changed like yeah. so fundamentally yeah. that there is no way back. Um, and that and then that can have such a knock-on effect mm-hmm. to who you are and how you live your life. And I think what, one of the things that I found incredibly difficult, um, you know, a, a few years ago when this was all going on was that the advice at the time for um, women with pelvic floor problems is often don't run, don't jump, don't lift heavy. And you end up living this really small and fearful life where you don't want to lift your kids anymore. And you find yourself in the park, just kind of on the sidelines, maybe asking the dad to, you know, lift them up the slide. You you, you know, you're just not the active person that you were before. Yeah. And it's quite sad. Oh, that was the hardest part for me, you know, because... I didn't want to dance around the kitchen with my kids. I didn't want to chase them down the road on their scooters. I didn't, and I would find myself saying to them, oh, mummy can't do that. Mom, oh no, this makes me a bit emotional when I think about it. Mummy can't do that. Mummy's not strong. And like to, to be, you know, to be with your children and saying like, mummy's not strong. That's just not mm. an example that you want to set to them. And my, and you know, I always say my symptoms on the scale of things are really not that bad many women have much um, worse physical symptoms. Um, and obviously then, yeah, there's all like kind of emotional and mental health issues that follow from that. But I get the really important thing that I've learned and only through opening up about this is that like there is so much you can do. Yeah. You know, often we think, well, you've had a baby. That's just, that's just how it is now. You know, you're always going to, your toileting's always going to be different or you're always going to feel different down there. Um, and they're actually, you know, if we understand what's happening to our bodies and we know that, um, you know, there are things we can do about it, then we can start to advocate to ourselves. And when someone tells us, oh, it's just what happens when you have a baby, you're able to say, well, actually, no, yeah. I could really use some help with this. Maybe get a referral to a pelvic health physiotherapist and start thinking about your vagina and your pelvic floor as something to rehabilitate, just like you would if you like dislocated your shoulder or broke a bone in your ankle. It makes me think about postpartum in general, which is so, I cannot explain how hard I have found postpartum um, and like you prepare a lot for birth, but you don't really prepare for the after. There's not a lot of what I think anyway, not a lot of information that's kind of readily available. You can go and actively search for it, but if it's your first baby, you don't know to do that. Um, and, and that's the thing, like we struggle 
we we oh you know you you know you've just had a baby that's kind of you know accept it like that's mm-hmm. that's right now no like why do we have to just always just get on with things yeah. yeah oh gosh yeah and and I feel like maybe that is getting a little bit better like because of conversations like this and because of social media but yeah certainly I think it's probably true for most women having the point the point of having a baby is the point at which all of the advice and the information and the sport just kind of falls away, you know? Um, And, you know, we talk, we have this six week check, don't we, with the GP, but I'm yet to find a woman who's just like, yeah, that was amazing. I feel like I am thoroughly rehabbed after that seven minutes of being asked whether I'm on birth control or not. Um, It's it's not enough. The six week check that I had, I felt it wasn't even really for me. Yes. And that is something that has changed in the last couple of years. So I, I think I'm right in saying that technically there's supposed to be two checks now, one for the mum and one for the baby, um, which, you know, is a good step in the right direction. But I'm not sure it always pans out like that. I think often it's sort of rolled into one. List Lips, the podcast where we give our expert, not so expert advice. Join us as we figure life out one episode at a time. Yeah, you don't want them break dancing in the middle <laughs> of weather spins, do you really? A tanned ankle, no socks, boat shoes. So they have like a partially tanned foot. <laughs> so you got through it? Yeah, well, I mean, well, we're not together now. But... Oh, well, yeah, there is that. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta say I'm furious. High five yourself, boom. Whoop. Another life saved, you know? Find us wherever you got this podcast. Just search List Slips for weekly topics and some seriously juicy listener dilemmas. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
so a lot of what I do, I mean, I talk about my own prolapse and I sort of broaden that out to people who have, um, you know, urinary incontinence and also fecal incontinence um, and also like pelvic pain and various issues that can happen relating to your pelvic floor especially after childbirth. And, um, you know, you talked about how difficult it is to find support in postpartum. Well, I, you know, my background's in journalism and I could not find the information or the support that I needed to understand what any of this meant or how to manage it. And I think that's actually really dangerous because that's when you end up in these online, you know, groups and forums where everyone's just sharing their absolute lowest moments and handing out advice and we're all strangers. Um, And really what we need is just access to really clear, simple, evidenced information and support and signposting of if you have problems, this is where you go for help. Um, And I, and again, and I do think like things are changing and we are able to have these conversations and you know I, I mean I'm, had you ever heard of a pelvic health physiotherapist because I hadn't until this I, happened I think no I have okay so, uh, and I've been aware of the importance of pelvic floor like and and how it's something we need to nurture but I just with me it's like there's so much going on in my life that it's the last thing I'm thinking about even though I've back pain um I've got like a little niggle in my hip I'm having an MRI like there's all these things going on that I know is because of childbirth and yet I just the motivation constantly to like fix myself since having a baby having two babies even it's just I'm overwhelmed I absolutely. And you put yourself to the bottom of the to-do list because there are a million other things that you need to do first. And and honestly, like pelvic floor exercises. In fact, I just did a post on Instagram yesterday because I'm really honest, I didn't do them for two months, um, but I really, really noticed, Mm. you know, so uh, I'll be really honest, like up to this point, um, like little bits of leaking and things has not been an issue for me. I stopped doing my pelvic floor exercises for two months. I went on a run the other day. There was a bit of leakage. So is it a lifelong thing? Like you have to be on your pelvic floor health like forever? It is. It is. It is. And, um, and, you know, the talk around it now is very much like not even, you know, this is not something we need to learn when we're pregnant and having babies. This is something we need to be talking to our kids about from day one really um and i think the current advice is that um all girls from the age of 12 should be should be taught how to do pelvic floor exercises um and it just and i think actually so again i'm not a medical expert but i I do know that one of the really important things about pelvic floor exercises and where a lot of people go wrong is that you need to focus as much on the relax as you do on the squeeze so I know you can, whenever you talk about it, you can't help but do it, can you? Um, But I think sometimes people overdo the squeezing. And then what can happen is that you can develop an overly tight pelvic floor, which can also cause incontinence and can cause pain. So, (laughs) which is why I'm always like, just if you've got any, like any doubts at all, and it's within, you know, go to your GP, ask to see a pelvic, floor, um, a pelvic floor physiotherapist, or you can see them privately. Obviously, there's a cost attached to that. But even just one visit to get an assessment and to understand where you're at 
is is worth its weight in gold and maybe a bit of accountability to persuade you then to to do the pelvic floor exercises but like i said it is it is for life and it is really hard i don't know (laughs) if someone's struggling with pelvic floor Mm -hmm. what like what is the steps like what advice do you have for them because i feel like it's a bit of a minefield it is and i think the other thing now sometimes with the internet is there's so much information out there it can just feel really overwhelming so i remember that was one of the things you know i was googling what exercise can i do with with prolapse and you'll find list after list of exercises to not do band exercises band exercises and again that's um really not the right message that we should be giving to women it is let's have a look at where you're at let's try to nurture you encourage you give you the right exercises to do to gradually bring you back to where you want to be mm. um and so yeah my advice is you you know your own body you do even if you're not like even if you're not looking at it every five minutes you do know when there's something not quite right and um please do go to GP and please do ask to see a pelvic health physiotherapist because for me that is like the absolute um sort of gold standard of starting your journey to recovery um it's really difficult though waiting lists are really long and part of the problem as well um is that a lot of medical professionals um sadly aren't really trained in this area of health um and again that is starting to change but it may well be that you find having Googled your own symptoms and understanding a bit more about it, that you actually know more than the medical professional. And that's a really difficult position to be in because then you've got to really try and really advocate to get some help. It's so tiresome. And I feel like whenever there's a mass issue and it's like women are kind of at the forefront of it, there's never enough research, never enough training, never enough understanding. And it's just, it sucks to be a woman or it sucks to have a vagina sometimes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I used to be like, I used to think a bit like, well, you know, there's only so much money to go around and, um, you know, it's not, it's not life threat. You know, this stuff is not life threatening as such. People aren't dying from it. So, you know, but actually now I just think, it's really simply about priorities. And this is an area of health along with, you know, menopause, we talk a lot more about that, about menstruation, about um, fertility and all of these issues. Like it has such a fundamental effect, not just on the woman, but on the children and on the partners and on the whole of society. Um, You know, I know women who have given up jobs because of um, symptoms relating to, to pelvic floor stuff. It is crazy that we are not doing what actually is very cheap, effective, simple advice, support, guidance to help women to help themselves. Um, So I absolutely passionately believe all of that, but I I still think there's a lot of work to do around the taboo that stops people talking about it in the first place and maybe even makes them too embarrassed to even want to take that step to go to the GP because maybe they don't even know the right words for their own vulva, vagina, you know, so there's just so much work to do around all of these issues, but um, but I think it's changing. Yeah, but I think also as well, it's like, oh, am I going to be taken seriously? Because I often feel things and like there's something going on, like, you know, I went to my GPS and I've got this niggle in my hip. It's not all the time. It's not every day. 
But since I um, have been walking more and more active after my second, and there's something just not quite right. And they're looking at me like, yeah. And I just feel like this is a serious problem in my life. And I don't know how to get the help I need because I'm not like dying or it's not like a life-threatening thing. It's not like I'm not bleeding. It's like a massive, you know, massive thing. So yeah, there's a lot of work to be done, I think, just in general with around like these kind of issues, menstruation, infertility, like you said. So I thought I just love talking to you. Hey, it's nice. <laughs> I could go on forever about all of this stuff. It's amazing. And, and I think one of the, one of the things that's happened since I started, like I said, five years ago, that one post on Instagram, then it grew into the podcast and grew into the book. And the thing that women always say to me, and honestly, like you can imagine, I get the emails and messages from women around the world absolutely heartfelt because they've often never told anyone about what they've been through since having a baby sometimes 20 30 40 years ago right yeah um and what they always say is that sharing these stories and hearing other women talk about it has given them hope and it has helped them to feel less alone and I never realized how powerful that can be just to kind of hear someone else voice your own deepest darkest feelings and emotions and to know that it's okay like once you can get past that um emotional and embarrassed and sort of shameful feeling about you know because and there's a lot of guilt sometimes as well like what did I do to make this happen why did I not do more pelvic floor exercises why did I not opt for a c-section why did I not do x y and z um you know once you hear other people talking about it then that kind of shifts and then like then we can just start to look at this as another you know physical issue that we need to either fix if we can or to maintain as best we can and rehabilitate as best we can um so yeah the sharing of those stories has been so powerful um and and the community is amazing so like people will just write it will be like can, how can i help like i'm so passionate about this you, you know you've really helped me to feel better about myself how can i help and through that like one of my listeners designed all my branding for me one of my listeners was a literary agent she's the one who asked me to write the book um one of my listeners is uh, an animation lecturer at a university in falmouth she got her um students to to create this absolutely beautiful animation using clips from the podcast it's it's beautiful and then the other day I was like, I really want to make the podcast more like accessible. So is anyone able to help me transcribe some episodes? And I've had all these volunteers. So like one by one, we're, we're kind of putting the written transcription of each episode up on the website. Um, and it's just like, it's such a cool community who want to just give back and help and start to shout from the rooftops that you know this is this is stuff that happens and we need to talk about it women isn't it women they come together it's just magic when i first started on instagram a woman in australia sent me a message and she was just like um i have a friend in manchester who has a prolapse maybe you guys could get together and have a coffee or something (laughs) um uh so i was like 
okay, well, sure, why not? So I went for a coffee with this this woman who brought another friend who also um, has a prolapse. And we ended up in this coffee shop just discussing our vaginas while our toddlers were playing in the like little kitchen in the corner. Yes. And once you've kind of opened a conversation with someone talking about your gynecological issues, there's nothing you can't talk about after that. So it's just like instant friendship. The walls are down and yeah. you're and you're away, you know? But you're right. There is something so magical in um, a group of women just coming together and and um, I suppose campaigning um, just to make things better because we we just want it to be different for our kids, right? So you mentioned earlier that you have a book. I do. <laughs> Tell us all about it. Let us know how we can get hold of it. Um, yeah. So I have a book. It's called. It's here. Oh, and here. And, uh, yeah. um, it's called Why Mums Don't Jump, Ending the Pelvic Floor Taboo. And um, it's built, um, it's based on the podcast. So some of the stories of the brave and brilliant women who very kindly shared their own pelvic floor stories on the podcast, um, along with some of the expert voices who, who also appear kind of just helping us to navigate this crazy journey that is pelvic floor issues. Um, and uh, hopefully it's a little bit funny. Sometimes I've been told there might be the odd tear. Um, hopefully it will give you some good information just about like, you know, where to go next with your issues. And again, just to know that you're not alone. Um, and you can get this book at um, any, any good bookshop, I believe, or uh, on the internet or via my website, which is whymomsdontjump.com. Um, just give it a Google um that would be lovely <laughs> so we also have a um message from a listener from bonnie on email hi ladies loving the podcast i listen every week when i'm driving back from the school run i know you're always asking for birth stories and i know it's not exactly that but i wanted to share my experience a few months back, I had a pelvic floor repair. I've had incontinence ever since the delivery of my eldest around 12 years ago. I managed to control most of my symptoms, which I didn't even realise were related to pelvic floor, until I had a prolapse of my bowel through my vaginal wall. I had surgery, and now things are a lot better, but it wouldn't have worked without the pelvic floor exercises alongside this. I just wanted to drop a message to anyone who is suffering any issues to see their GP, exclamation mark. I can't believe how little is known about this. If it wasn't for my best friend going through a similar thing, I wouldn't have had a clue what was happening to me. Sending all my love, Bon. Bonnie is so right. Like, that's amazing. And I love that she's taking the time to write that in. Um, and I hate that it took 12 years for her to get that help, you know? And I, and I wonder if 11 years ago she'd been able to get the help and support and understand that it was her pelvic floor and maybe get some rehabilitation. Like, where would she be now, you know? Because the sooner we get to tackle these things, and also it would have saved her 11 years of suffering and and, and potentially surgery as well. So, um, yeah. But she's absolutely right. And that's the thing, unless we talk about it with our mates or we hear it somewhere, you don't hear it. And we should, we should just know about this stuff. You know, we just, we just, it should be part and parcel of our education because it is so important and it affects, like I said before, like so many aspects of our lives. Yeah. You're quite a calm person, but she's been very nice talking to you. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. Um, 
and everyone needs to buy your book because we need <laughs> yeah we need to learn about this stuff especially teenagers like I think starting your period just learn about pelvic floor absolutely yeah and even before you get to teenagers like so I'm one of those people who I mean, I love a good euphemism, right? Who does? Who doesn't like you know? And uh, like I said before, I really struggled to use the correct anatomical words for our gynecological areas because I didn't know what they were, and I was really embarrassed about it. Yeah. But, and and in fact, when my kids were first born, I somehow like managed to not use any words at all. But what I realise now is like that's really unhelpful because you're basically reinforcing the ideas that um, our vaginas, our vulvas are so shameful and embarrassing that we cannot even name them. We can't even use words at all. You know, if we're calling them your foo-foo or your flower or all those other words, it's... um, it doesn't help you when you come to the point where something's gone wrong and you need to ask for help. Um, you know, there's a problem down there is yeah. not something that is useful to a medical professional. <laughs> um, so yeah, it starts for me. It starts from birth. Let's just get let's just get over it. Let's just get over the taboo. Yeah, I tell my daughter, oh, I'm bleeding. Mummy's bleeding. Period. And he knows. He says, "Mummy bleeding. Period." Amazing. Mommy- Mommy cry because he knows <laughs> I'm bleeding. I'm a mess. <laughs> so yeah, start them from young. Thank you so much for um, talking to me today, Helen. It's been amazing. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Mum's The Word, the parenting podcast. Make sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you never miss an episode. We love to hear from you. Get in touch on WhatsApp where you can send us a voice message for free, even anonymously if you want, at 075-999-27537 or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back with another episode, same time, same place, next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.